Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Uh, Well, today we're uh, starting a brand new series uh, on prayer. And uh, as we kind of, before we jump into the real content of the series, I wanted to just kind of give you an idea of my heart, uh, some of the motivation behind uh, this series on prayer. It'll be three weeks uh, beginning today. Uh, And this series uh, really comes out of my own seeking, uh, my own trying to ask and answer questions about prayer. Uh, Because the truth is, is I've been through uh, enough circumstances in my life that didn't turn out uh, the way that I had been praying Uh, that I began to ask myself questions like, does prayer actually do anything? Uh, Does prayer work? Why do we pray? Uh, What is the purpose of prayer? And my guess is, is that if we're honest, many of us have faced uh, these same questions. So as I searched uh, for answers to to these questions that I was asking myself, I found that the Bible included prayers, uh, but is rather short on instructions of how to pray Uh, and really doesn't provide a lot of answers as to why we pray. In fact, what the Bible does is it sort of makes this assumption that prayer uh, is a part of the life of the Christian. Uh, In the similar ways that the Bible never seeks to prove the existence of God, the existence of God is assumed that from the very first pages of the Scripture, you have in the beginning God, uh, and so it's never trying to prove the existence of God, it rather assumes that. And as we look at prayer, we find that it's really similar, that the The prayer is assumed to be the life, uh, to be a part of the life of the Christian or the follower of Jesus, and and yet um, we don't have a lot of answers from the scriptures themselves as to how to pray or why to pray. But we have tons of examples of prayers, right? So if you're anything like me, uh, prayer can feel a little disconnected from our real lives. Uh, Sometimes it's like I could pray or I could go about with the real doing, right? Sometimes maybe, I've certainly felt like that, maybe you have too. And so, uh, while we have lots of examples of prayer in the scriptures, we aren't really told the purpose of prayer, not explicitly anyway. And so I would read books and I would listen to teaching on prayer and, and uh, different podcasts. And uh, what those did is they mo- I mostly left those uh, contents, left kind of receiving that content feeling mostly guilty uh, for not praying enough or hard enough or confident enough. Uh, that whatever I was doing, I felt like it was never enough, right? Uh, or if I wasn't doing, so, or I, I either felt like what I was doing, I wasn't doing enough of it, or I wasn't doing that I, that something that I should. Uh, and so the teaching basically boiled down to uh, pray more and pray harder. <laughs> and uh, anytime I came into contact or received that teaching, I often just felt guilty at the end. And so... I did finally come across some content that, uh, some material, some teaching that I found extremely helpful and I want to spend three weeks uh, kind of passing that along to you and I hope it'll be really, really helpful to us as we think about uh, prayer and try to answer questions about prayer and and not just landing on all of us should pray more and all of us should pray harder, right? Uh, Because I think that that's that's certainly probably true, right? Uh, And yet, I have found that that's not really very motivating uh, in terms of actually praying more, just the obligation that I should. Does that make sense? Um, So, I do feel like I've come into contact with some teaching that I wanna pass on, 
but this is not the same as saying that I have turned into a monk or mystic and spend like six hours a day in prayer every day, okay? So I don't want you to have any false pretensions or false ideas about my own prayer life. Uh, I struggle in the same ways that all of you struggle uh, when it comes to prayer. Um, but this material has helped me and I hope it will help you as well. So, I, so the series is structured to answer three key questions about prayer. In the first week, we'll answer the question, that's today, what is the purpose of prayer? Uh, next week, what we'll do is uh, we'll, we'll address the question, what good does prayer do? Uh, does, does prayer work? That's, what, that's the question that we'll ask next week and, and try to wrestle with. Uh, and then in the third week, we'll, we'll try to ask the question of how do I pray then? If after kind of getting some perspective on the purpose of prayer, some perspective on how does prayer work or does prayer work uh, or what good does prayer do, uh, then we'll talk about how to pray. And I'm really excited about the third week. That's March 1st, and I, I want to spend a couple minutes telling you about it. Um, we're going to bring in uh, a guest speaker. Her name is Dana Prush. Uh, she is the director for the Center for Pastoral Leadership at Nazarene Theological Seminary. And what you need to know about Dana is that her life bears the fruit of her prayer. Uh, that, that her countenance, her gentleness, her wisdom are all born from a life of prayer and connection to God. And that is, uh, they say it just kind of oozes out of her, right? <laughs> like you can just tell as you spend any, time amount, any amount of time with Dana, you can tell this is a person of prayer. And so I've asked her to come, and she's gracious, graciously accepted that, uh, to come and speak to us about tools for how do we pray. So I don't want you to miss uh, March 1st. But then, after church on March 1st, uh, we're going to do an event that we're calling Practices of Prayer. Uh, it's meant to help you experience different forms and different types of prayer, to bring new life and new interest to your own prayer life. And yes, there'll be some teaching, there'll be some content, but it's really meant to provide space uh, in your life to experience and to practice uh, those different types and forms of prayer, okay? So it should be really helpful. Uh, and also, I'm super excited that for those of you that are parents, all ages are welcome for the first half hour of the event. And so we're gonna help you, equip you on how to uh, experience prayer uh, with kids, maybe bedtime prayer or mealtime prayer, and kind of like make those prayer times uh, more than just kind of simple uh, one-off meal or like simplistic bedtime prayers, and like how to really step into uh, developing a good uh, prayer life and demonstrating a good prayer life with your kids. So that's the first half hour. That's for everyone, right? So even if you don't have kids, you'll find the first half hour beneficial, but it'll be all ages welcome for the first half hour, and then we'll step into uh, some things for, with just the adults, teenagers, uh, that will be beneficial to us all. And again, meant to build habits of prayers. So uh, you can register online uh, beginning tomorrow. We'll set up the registration uh, site tomorrow. It'll go out in the newsletter on Tuesday uh, for you to register for practices of prayer. And here's why we want you to register. If you come to the prayer event on March 1st, we will buy your lunch, okay? This is called incentive, okay? And we're just gonna be totally un unashamed about it. We will buy your lunch if you will come to the prayer event, okay? So that's what we hope. Uh, we hope that you'll register. Let us know who all is coming, and it should be a great time. So uh, let's then look at the purpose of prayer, and uh, we're gonna turn to Luke chapter 11 and uh, read the first four verses. But before we do that, we want to pray and ask God's blessing on our time together. Heavenly Father, this morning we confess your goodness. We give you thanks 
for the ways in which you have touched our lives, for the ways in which you have um, spoken to our hearts. And God, if we were to do an inventory of our lives or even our weekend, um, in the quiet, we would recognize your presence all over. And so God, in this moment, as we quiet our hearts before you and prepare our hearts to receive your word, I pray, God, that we would sense your presence. And we ask, Lord, for each one of us that your Holy Spirit would be freely at work in us. May we personally experience the presence of God today. As we think about prayer, as we think about connection to the divine, Lord, may we experience you in these moments. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 11, the first four verses says this. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and do not bring us to the time of trial. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now you probably noticed right away uh, that this is the Lord's Prayer but in shortened version. Uh, Matthew has the version that we typically pray out loud and uh, have made a part of our corporate settings, but there's also a version in Luke uh, that is shortened, uh, but just as powerful, I think. Uh, but actually, I don't want to focus this morning so much on the content of the Lord's Prayer as what the setting of the Lord's Prayer or what precedes it, that there's something so basic about this passage that I'm afraid we might miss it if we aren't paying attention, and it is this that when the disciples asked Jesus to pray and how to pray, he gave them a prayer. I want to say that again. When the disciples came up to Jesus and asked Jesus, how do we pray? The Lord gave them a prayer. He gave them words to say. He didn't give them a theory about prayer. He didn't give them an empty euphemism like just talk to God. He gave them a prayer that he intended for them to pray. In fact, in the Matthew version, it says, when you pray, say. And then you have the full version of the Lord's Prayer. Now, this, of course, was in line with what they had no doubt experienced before, that as members of the Jewish faith, they had received prayers from rabbis before. They, in fact, they had a whole collection of written prayers. Of course, they wouldn't have been written so much as memorized. They had a collection of memorized prayers that they would pray at certain times throughout the day. And they were used to this as it had been their religious practice. And now, having these disciples could then sense that there was something new that was coming to birth in Jesus Christ, and they wanted to know, how do we pray in light of the newness of what is going on and what is happening in Christ? Do you catch this? They have a whole tradition of prayer as, as faithful Jewish folks, 
the whole set of religious practices, and yet they sense that something new is being birthed in Jesus, and they want to know what are the practices that are going to form us as followers of Jesus. How do we pray? Is there anything new that we should know about in terms of how we pray in light of the newness of Christ? And the Lord Jesus says, when you pray, say. And he gives them a prayer. In other words, Jesus does not make a huge departure from what they were, have been used to, but rather he knows that they have a whole set of prayers that are forming them as Jewish people, and so he gives them a prayer that will help form them as followers of Jesus. Are you with me? And so, that essentially is what the Lord's Prayer is. The Lord's Prayer is a formative prayer liturgy that aims our hearts in the right direction. I want to say that again. The Lord's Prayer is a formative prayer liturgy that aims our hearts in the right direction. And some would say, you know, the Lord's Prayer is meant to be maybe a sample of prayer, maybe an outline, maybe a structure to inspire prayer, but it's not really meant to be prayed out loud ourselves or together. Uh, And so some people might say that. Uh, To which I would say, it's not one or the other, it's both and. That the Lord's Prayer is in fact meant to be prayed as it is given to us, out loud, corporately, personally, all of those things, and yet it is also a great structure, jumping off point, inspiration for further prayer. But but when when the disciples were wanting to learn how to pray as Christians, the Lord gives them a prayer. It helps, us form, it helps form us in the ways of Jesus by focusing our attention on the kingdom of God, by training our hearts in the ways of forgiveness, and by recognizing God as the source of our supply. And so this points us to something that has really, really helped me as I have asked questions about prayer. And is this. One of the primary purposes of prayer is our own formation. Now, maybe you've heard this before, but I don't think it can be overstated. One of the primary purposes of prayer is our own formation. And and you might be saying, you know, that's so simple, and I've heard this before, and I was really hoping for some rich, deep uh, teaching as part of this series, and I'm starting off disappointed. Okay? If that's you today, then, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about, are you living this? If, if, you, if, you, if we kind of know in our heads that the purpose of prayer is formation, then when we go to pray, is all of our prayer time just kind of listing out requests from God and, and offering God a, a grocery list? And is that grocery list forming us, right? The, prayer is a disciple-making activity. In other words, prayer is not a form of God management. It is not a form of divine manipulation, Prayer is not making your list known to a Santa in the sky who can then grant your wish. Prayer is primarily about being formed as a Christian. Uh, Author, speaker, says, uh, Pastor Brian Zahn says it this way. The primary purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what you think God ought to do. The purpose of prayer is to be properly formed. The primary purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what you think God ought to do, but to be properly formed. And that's really what I want to hone in on today is is this 
this purpose of prayer, and how are the ways in which that we are praying, how are they helping to form us? How are they helping to shape us? Because it isn't just what we pray, but how we pray, right? It's not just that we're praying, but it's, it's how we're praying uh, that helps form us. And so Jesus gives the disciples a prayer that would form them as followers of Jesus. And what we find throughout the New Testament is that the Christians, the first Christians, as they were seeking to be formed as followers of Jesus, could be caught praying the prayers. Okay? And this is what I want you to catch on to. Uh, This will blow your mind. Acts 2.42 says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. That's how we often read it. That's what most of your translations say. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And when we hear they devoted themselves to prayer, what we hear mostly is often vague, right? Oh, they, they prayed a lot. But in the Greek, there's a definite article before the word prayer, literally being translated the prayer or the prayers. So, the, so a proper reading is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. So when we think about our earliest brothers and sisters in faith, what is it that they devoted themselves to? They didn't devote themselves to some vague notion of prayer. They devoted themselves to the prayers, the prayers that they had been given, the prayers that were helping to form them in the ways of Jesus as they were seeking how to live out this brand new thing, this brand new way, right? Are you with me? Uh, I can tell uh, that modern Protestant evangelicals are so excited about this, (laughs) okay? But for the first Christians, here's the point I'm trying to get across. For the first Christians, prayer was not abstract or vague. They prayed the prayers, And while we don't know for certain what prayers they were praying, we can be certain it included the Lord's Prayer that they were taught by Jesus. We can also be really, really confident that it included the Jewish prayer book, the Psalms. And we can also be really confident that it was the Shema. And in each time, what Jesus is trying to do is not take away all the the prayer or religious practice that they had developed, But rather what Jesus is trying to do is adjust or add so that those prayers are forming them primarily as followers of the way, as followers of Jesus. So when they say, would you teach us how to pray, he gives them a brand new prayer about forgiveness and the God as a source of, the, of a supply, of praise to God, uh, of, of God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He gives us all these things. We also see from the life of Jesus and the early Christians that they were going about the business of praying the Psalms. And so Jesus never tries to take away the Jewish prayer book. He says the Psalms are, are beautiful and you should pray them as I do. And in fact, the Psalms, even for us, thousands of years later, are a great place to draw from for prayers. Because what the Psalms do is they give us the whole gamut of human emotion and how do we engage with God in the midst of that emotion? So we might be praying an angry Psalm, maybe when we're not angry, but one day when we are angry with someone else or with God, we'll have language for how to pray because we've prayed the Psalms. Are you with me? 
Okay? So Jesus is not trying to take anything away, but rather Jesus is kind of moving and adjusting and adding just enough so that they become followers of the way. In fact, the most famous Jewish prayer, the Shema, in part goes, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus will not take this away, but will simply add and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is never trying to say, don't have that, but rather Jesus is trying to say, do these prayers, say the prayers in a way that are gonna help form you as followers of Jesus. And so I did a little, I did a little thought example, uh, or a little research, let's do a, not a thought example, a research project, okay? And I, I did a research project and I wanted to see when in our scriptures, in our English scriptures, when we say prayer or prayers, is there a definite article in the Greek beforehand, okay? Now, this is not exhaustive, but I think it helps get the point across. In Acts 6.4, we, uh, we will devote ourselves to, uh, to the prayers and the serving of the word. Acts 1.14, all, all these were consistently devoting themselves to the prayers. Luke 22.45, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he got up from the prayer. He got up from the prayers and he went to the disciples and found them sleeping. Now this one blew me away. That when Jesus is facing death on the cross and knows what is before him, he goes to the garden, not with this sort of like vague euphemism of prayer, but he goes with language that he's been praying that he can then draw upon and pray the prayers. And then the Apostle Paul, in Ephesians 1.16, Philippians 1.4, and others, when he says, in my prayers for you or on your behalf, it's the prayers. Um, When I am praying the prayers for you or on your behalf, with you in mind. And so, all over the New Testament, what we find is that it seems to be clear that when we read prayer, and we might be tempted to think something vague, something like sort of intangible, it's far more grounded than that, where it's not just prayers, but the prayers. In, In other words, it doesn't always just mean like we tend to read it, which is those early brothers and sisters were just talking to God but rather we tend, like we tend to read into it, it could very well mean that they were praying written prayers at certain hours of the day. And, and, and the truth is, is that we might, we might, this might offend our individualistic sensibilities. Right? As, as modern evangelicals who have been taught mostly that prayer is just talking to God, the fact that our early brothers and sisters dedicated themselves to the prayers, likely prayed the prayers at certain hours of the day as a part of their religious practice and being formed as followers of the way, rather than sort of a loud amen, we sort of go, right? And, and, we're, and maybe you don't do it exactly like that, but, um, but we're sort of like, it offends our individualistic sensibilities because we think Prayer is only authentic when it comes from our heart. Uh, Which is to say, 
without saying it, but, but if, if, if this is where we're at, prayer is only authentic if it comes from our heart, then what we're doing in that statement is rejecting the received wisdom of prayers that we have received and saying, I'm the one that knows best how to engage with God and I have the language in which to do so. Uh, but here's the thing, and I'm gonna go a little off script here. Here's the thing. If, if we are angry, now I've said during our Job series that we just concluded, I said, God can handle your honesty and I mean that and I believe that. And there is, there is a space in our life to be honest with God and just cry out to God and pour out to God whatever we have. But if we are only praying our own prayers and we are angry, we will likely get caught in a cycle of angry prayers. If we are only praying our own prayers and we are selfish, we will probably get caught in a cycle of selfish prayers. If we are only praying our own prayers and we are fearful, we will likely get caught in a cycle of only praying fearful prayers. And since prayer is formative, listen to this, prayer is likely to cement us in our anxiety, in our fear, those things. Like we're, those things are cemented into our life through prayer because we're not praying in ways that properly form us, borrowing from the wisdom of our ancient brothers and sisters. Are you with me? Okay? So, make of this what you will. Oh, I said that already. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> never mind. Um, so, <laughs> if, if our prayers, like I've said this, but if our prayer, if our understanding of prayer is primarily just talking to God, uh, then we are liable toward two things. One is, we're liable to believe that prayer is just a form of divine manipulation to get God to do something. Okay, um, that if we're just praying our own prayers, uh, then we're 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 likely to believe that God is that prayer is just a way to get God to do something on my behalf. Uh, which this always confused me, right? I grew up in the Midwest. Uh, There's lots of farmers, and I don't want to put this down at all. Uh, but th this is one thing that I struggled with as a kid: is that um, like farmers would pray for rain for crops, and that is needed, right? And they that is their livelihood. And so I'm not putting that down. But I also thought, like, what if someone has an out, outdoor event that, and they don't want, they don't want rain, okay? And, and so you have, like, one group of people praying for rain, another group of people praying for sunshine. And, and I'm like, how does God do that? How do you weigh what is most important, right? And, and so remember, remember, prayer is not primarily about just getting God to do what we want God to do. Uh, the other thing is, and, I, and I've already said this, I skipped ahead, but if we, if we see prayer as just talking to God, uh, we're likely to only pray prayers of self-expression, not formation. We're likely to only pray prayers of self-expression, not formation. In other words, uh, we'll pray angry prayers. If we're angry, we pray angry prayers, fearful prayers, anxious prayers, and then be cemented in our own anger, fear, and anxiety. So praying the prayers helps form us as Christians and therefore teaches us a language of prayer. It is not meant, and I want you to hear this because I can see that your individualistic sensibilities are offended. So I want you to hear this. Uh, praying the prayers is not meant in any way to replace your crying out to God or just talking to God. But rather it's meant to give you language to enhance your personal prayers. It's meant to give you language to enhance your prayers. Um, because here's the thing. 
Here's the thing. From very young, we are taught that we should pray. Right? From the earliest ages, we are taught that we should pray. But we are rarely given language of how to pray. With two exceptions primarily. A simple mealtime prayer or a largely superstitious bedtime prayer. Right? And so these are kind of the two things that where we learn how to pray is from these two things. So we're taught that we should pray, but we're never really given language of how to pray. And here's what I want to say. Being told to pray without being given language for prayer is a bit like being asked to play an instrument but having never learned the scales. And here's what that means. You could learn to play some simple songs through repetition. You could. You could pick up a guitar, learn a couple of easy chords, never learn a scale, and through repetition, learn to play a couple of songs, and maybe even a small handful of songs. But if you, having never learned the scales, you would never be free to write your own music. And too many of us have only learned to pray, but have never learned the scales. And, and borrowing from ancient wisdom of our brothers and sisters is a bit like learning the scales so that we are then free to go and write some of our own prayers and being given language. So I'm suggesting that you add to your prayer life a healthy diet of prayers that borrow from the wisdom of brothers and sisters from ages, from the ages gone by, as a way of enhancing your own ability to pray. That's, that's my core suggestion because the purpose of prayer is to be properly formed. And so part of our goal in praying written prayers out loud as part of our worship services, the reason that we do that uh, is so that you can receive a language for praying that shapes our hearts. And we do it out loud so that those words are on your lips so you're not just hearing them, right? That our primary goal is, is formation as we gather together. And so we want uh, to first pray what is true before praying what we want. You with me? We first want to pray what is true before praying just what we want. And sometimes we go right to, Lord, this is what I want, this is what I need. Those are good and those are valid prayers. And I can say with confidence that God cares about your situation and wants to hear about it in prayer. But one thing that we could do to enhance our prayer lives and be properly formed is to first as an on-ramp to praying what we want, why don't we first pray what is true? Using written prayers and the wisdom of, 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 of the received wisdom of our ancient brothers and sisters. Because here's what was happening. Early Christians were praying the prayers while also composing their own prayers. And so they were being formed by prayers so that they could compose their own. And that's what we get to do. We get to borrow from their wisdom and pray the prayers that they wrote um, so that we can then go on and pray our own prayers. So, as properly formed people, right? So we can pray our own prayers as those who have been properly formed. So here, here's the thing. This morning, we have prayed a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. Um, that's what we did right after the last song in the opening set. It's been, that book of common prayer has been used by Christians for hundreds of years 
for both corporate and personal prayer life. Uh, Now, it was recently updated in 2019, but the Book of Common Prayer began hundreds of years ago and has been used regularly in worship um, since then. At the end of the prayers of the people that's coming up in just a few moments, uh, as we do every week, we will pray the Lord's Prayer. And that is a prayer that's been prayed by, by Christians for thousands of years. And so I thought it would be the appropriate this morning to end the sermon with a contemporary prayer uh, coming from a collection of prayers from Old Testament scholar uh, Walter Brueggemann. And this prayer book is, is different. <laughs> it's written to the American church, uh, and it has prayers for all sorts of uh, like liturgical holidays, situations, uh, but also just happenings particularly American happenings. There is a prayer in here for Super Bowl Sunday. And it is not, Lord bless the chiefs. Uh, It is, help us to see this for what it is. And that doesn't mean we can't enjoy it, but it's uh, kind of in your face. In fact, all of them are. All of these prayers are in your face, which is good because prayer is for the purpose of being properly formed. And so if if we read some of these prayers and they don't form us, shape us, make us just a little uncomfortable, then we're not really plugged in. We're not really paying attention. So I wanted to read um, a prayer. One of the little calmer ones. I didn't want you guys to be mad at me today. Uh, So this is a little calmer prayer, but it's called Ourselves at the Center. Um, We are your people. Mostly privileged, competent, and entitled. Your people who make futures for ourselves, who seize opportunities, who get the job done and then move on. In our self-confidence, we expect little beyond our own productivity and we wait little for that which lies beyond us and then settle with ourselves at the center. And you, you in the midst of our privilege, our competence, our entitlement. You utter large, deep oaths beyond our imagined futures. For you say, fear not, I am with you. You say, nothing shall separate us. You say, something of new heaven and new earth. You say, you are mine, and I have called you by name. You say, my faithfulness will show concretely and will abide. And we find our privilege eroded by your purpose, our competence shaken by your future, our entitlement unsettled by your other children. Give us grace to hear your promises. Give us freedom to trust your promises. Give us patience to wait and humility to yield our dreamed future to your large purpose. We pray in the name of Jesus, who is your deep yes over our lives. Amen. I'm thankful for those that put together the Book of Common Prayer. I'm thankful that we've been given the rich tradition of the pinnacle of prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And I'm thankful for Walter Brueggemann, who had the courage to write prayers.
for a privileged people. Because the purpose of prayer is not just to get God to do what we think God ought to do. The purpose of prayer is to be properly formed. Next week, we'll ask the next logical question. If the purpose of prayer is to be properly formed, then what good is it to ask for things in prayer? It's a good question and one that we'll address next week. So let's pray as we come to the Lord's table today. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to us today. God, would you forgive us for the times in which we have believed that the only valid prayers are ones that come from our own hearts? For God, we do not intend in any way to reject the received wisdom and history of the Christian faith. That there have been brothers and sisters in Christ who have walked the road before us, who have learned and have been shaped and formed into your likeness and have things to offer to us through the rich traditions of worship and of prayer and teaching. And so God, I pray that you would help us to draw upon this wisdom in order that we might enhance our own life and language of prayer in connection with you. God, form us into your people. Form us into your likeness. That we may be a light to the nations, that we may be a light to the world and a city upon a hill. That there might be such a draw, such an um, inclination toward people of faith because of the beauty of our own lives. But Lord, we cannot get there on our own. We need the work of your Holy Spirit. We need the wisdom of our brothers and sisters, both past and present. And so, Lord, help us that we may walk in your likeness and be shaped by you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.